Welcome to episode nine, my conversation with Alex from New York City. This is the Straight Up Gay Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Major, for the Straight Up Gay Podcast, where I have conversations with people about their experiences related to the LGBTQ community. This podcast is dedicated to learning more about LGBTQ people by having personal conversations and sharing their experiences. Keep in mind, this show is free of cursing, but we may have conversations about human sexuality and topics related to sex and gender that may result in awkward questions from young children. If you're not prepared to answer those questions, turn back now. Today is February 12th, 2017, and I am speaking with Alex. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's uh, finally good to get some people on the show. I was running short of some guests, and I got a good run of people lined up for the future here. So thank you for uh, making time to uh, have a conversation with me. Yeah, no problem. It's it's my pleasure to talk to people and you know educate people about the LGBT community. That's awesome. I think it's really good that people like yourself are abil- have the ability to be out and share their experiences. And I'm just happy to give you a platform to do that. Let's just jump right in and go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Just a quick overview. It says you're a gay trans man living in New York City. Give us a little more detail. What's going on? Sure. Yeah. So as you said, I'm gay. I'm transgender man. I live in New York City, and I've been living here for most of my life. I'm 31. I work as a web designer. I'm pretty much just your stereotypical art nerd. You know, I like art and design and literature, and that's basically me. (laughs) Okay. So do you make your living with art and stuff like that? I work as a web designer, yeah. Oh, right. You just said that, duh. So usually I start out the conversation with, um, how do you or how you first discovered that you were different or at least, you know, maybe that you thought something wasn't the same about you as it was about everyone else. So what was that initial discovery of, OK, maybe I'm gay or maybe I'm trans? Actually, you may have to tell us about both of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that question is there's no straightforward answer to that question. And I think that that kind of is I think for most trans people, there's no straightforward answer to that question. I mean, for me, it was, uh, even when I was a kid, I was really tomboyish. I wanted to be viewed as one of the guys. I did lots of boyish things just for the sake of people maybe seeing me as a boy, but it didn't strike me as unusual when I was a kid. A lot of trans people will tell you that even as a kid, they felt like the other gender or they felt like they should be a girl or a boy, but I never really had that. It kind of became more obvious that I was different when I entered, you know, my teenage years. I started feeling very upset about my body in general. You know, it just started feeling very wrong. And I was horrified of the way that my body was developing. It was very upsetting for me. And I guess even at that point, I still didn't realize that it was unusual. I had no basis of of reference for what it meant to be trans. I didn't even realize that transgender men existed for a super long time <laughs> until I was, you know, in my 20s. So it, it wasn't even even when I was a teenager and I started feeling weird about my body, I didn't realize that it was unusual. I didn't kind of realize that I was trans or that the word transgender applied to me until I was in my late 20s. I didn't start transitioning until I was 28. Um, And I'd say I didn't realize I was trans until I was 26 or 27. And I guess the question of when I realized I was gay is also, you know, it's difficult to answer. Even when I was a teenager, I felt that my sexuality was different from, you know, my female peers, Um, just the people that I was attracted to, the way that I was attracted to them, the types of relationships I wanted to have was not in line with what my straight female friends felt. And it was emotionally very difficult for me to kind of come to terms with the fact that my sexual preferences were super weird. For most women, I thought that I was sexually broken for a really long time. And it wasn't until I started coming to terms with my gender issues that I realized that these two things were related. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I can I can't really understand a lot of transgender people who I've had on the show will always say something felt wrong or it, they didn't when their body started to develop when they were going through puberty it it felt like you described wrong or different or or you didn't like it it felt horrifying that's a little generic and a lot of people give that same description could you maybe yeah try and find a way to put in words i know it might be difficult cuz we're talking about emotions and internal feelings that are hard to describe but maybe try to find some way or some set of words that you can maybe give us a little more detail on how it felt. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to come up with like emotion words, but the way that I like to try and describe this to people is describing like specific instances or specific things that made me feel upset. Like, for example, when I was a teenager, I, you know, my parents, we had a pool in our backyard and I was at my parents' house at home with my boyfriend at the time. And we were like, oh, let's, it's hot. It was summer. Let's go in the pool. So I go up to my room to change into a bathing suit. But, you know, I put on the bathing suit and I saw my body in the mirror. And I don't remember this. This is all something that my, my boyfriend then later told me. But I, I looked at myself in the mirror and I just started sobbing. Like I, I couldn't comprehend that my body looked like that. I didn't want to accept that my body looked like that. So I just, I started sobbing and I wouldn't come out of my room. I wouldn't leave the room for the rest of the afternoon. And my poor boyfriend had to explain to my, come up with for some excuse um, for my mom as to why I didn't want to go in the pool anymore. And that kind of experience happened a lot. Everything from Anything related to clothes was awful. I couldn't go clothes shopping without kind of having a breakdown. I couldn't do anything related to my body. I couldn't like work out. I couldn't play sports without freaking out about what I looked like and what other people were seeing when they looked at me. I was horrified at the thought of people being attracted to my body. I I had a boyfriend when I was uh, you know a teenager and through my twenties I I dated, but. The idea of my partners being attracted to my body in certain ways or wanting to do certain things with me sexually was incredibly upsetting. Um, I just wanted to hide all the time. You know, I didn't want my body to be visible to others or I didn't even want to see it myself, really. Yeah. Okay. So I think that actually helps a lot. So let me try to maybe explain how I understand what you're saying. Sure. Um, so you grow up pretty much as a child having this certain image of yourself, right? And it's like, I want to say like in the Matrix, right? You have this idea, right? When when it starts out, Neo, he works at some company. He has this self-image of himself with a hair and he you know wears the suit, right? But then when he's out of the Matrix, right, his head is shaven. And so you have this internal, and whenever he goes back into the Matrix, right, he has this self-image. And I can I can try and use a personal experience, which I think may help understand or help me understand what you were talking about. And which is when I was younger, I was in a car accident and I had my front teeth knocked out. And mm. when after the accident, when I first woke up, because I hit my head pretty hard, when I first woke up, I didn't really feel any kind of pain or anything like that. I just felt like myself and I was just kind of like waking up from a daze and then as I started coming to more, I looked into the rearview mirror of the car and saw that my teeth were knocked out. And I wasn't in any kind of pain, but just the shock of the image of how different I looked with my front teeth knocked out was emotionally jarring. And I broke down. I started crying because I'm like, oh my God, I'm all disfigured, right? And so I was really worried about how my presentation to the world would be with my teeth knocked out. And so that's probably the closest I can get as a cisgender person to trying to understand how it feels to look in the mirror and see your body in a different way than what the images you have in your head. Is that, do you think that's a fair explanation maybe? Yeah, I think both of those explanations are very fair, both your personal experience and the example of Neo in the matrix. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of trans people, it's not, um, you know, this comparison again, like of our current bodies against what we are expecting is not conscious and it's not literal. It's just something that kind of happens automatically. Um, but I think both of those are very apt descriptions. I think that the, the matrix example is especially 
to me is is a it mirrors a lot of what I felt. You know, in a lot of ways, I feel like I was not even really alive before I transitioned. In much the sense that Neo wasn't really like quote unquote alive before he woke up out of the matrix. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, remember when he said, you know, when he first came out into the real world and he's like, Oh, he's going to pop. Right. And he kind of throws up and it, it yeah. was emotionally jarring for him. Right. To, to have this right. whole other world, this awakenedness in him to, to have this experience. And it was, you know, it, he actually, you know, threw up in the ship there. So yeah. I, it, it helps to, for straight people and cisgender people like myself. Um, I do have a few listeners who are straight and cis, uh, so it helps me to try and reframe the experiences of LGBT people into ways that we can understand it. So I appreciate you giving the feedback on that. Yeah, um, no problem. So did you did you discover first that you wanted to be trans, or not that you wanted to be, but that you were transgender, or were you consider did you consider yourself gay first? Um, so my previous guest, before you go on, my previous sure. guest, I haven't released that episode yet, but I. I, it took me a while, I explained in the previous episode, and it hasn't been out yet, so that's probably why you haven't heard it. But it took me a minute of thinking about it to figure out, okay, if you're transgender, how are you gay also, right? And I, it took me a minute, I'm like, how does this puzzle fit together? How do these combinations of identities make sense? And because I'm cis and I'm straight, it, it's not something that's intuitive to me. And it occurred to me as I was thinking about it that we're talking about gender identity and your expression is how your outward appearance looks and then your internal attractions to people of either the same sex or another sex. So you, those two could be any variety of combinations. And once I realized, right. okay, they're two separate things, that's how you can be a transgender person and gay because internally you feel like a man. And if you are also attracted to men, you now would feel like a gay man, right? Right. Okay. So it took a, it took me a minute to get on board with, okay, how does this make sense, right? How do I rationalize this? And sure. so it, once I figured it out, I'm like, oh, okay, now it's a snap. Because it was a little bit confusing in the beginning when people would say, well, I'm trans and gay. And I was just like, okay, hold on. How do we... Yeah. Yeah. So... What did you come to realize first that you were transgender because you were assigned female at birth? Is that correct? Yes. And you're trans and you're a transgender man now? Correct. Okay. And so I would imagine if you're considering yourself gay that you discovered you were trans first. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I have always been exclusively attracted to men. And like I explained before, even way before I figured out that I was trans, I was attracted to men in what I can only describe as a very gay way. I was primarily attracted to gay men. I wanted to have gay relationships. I wanted to have gay sex. I didn't want anything to do with heterosexual men or heterosexual relationships when I was presenting female. And even before I discovered that I was trans, I had, I felt an affinity with the gay community. I wanted to go to Pride. I wanted to participate in LGBT spaces. I never kind of got up the nerve to actually do it, but I felt an affinity there. Even for a while, I identified, I guess, or called myself bisexual, not because I was actually attracted to women, but because the term bisexual or the label bisexual was the only thing I could really call myself in order to be a part of the LGBT community. That was, that was when you were presenting female, you said? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I guess you could say that I figured out I was gay before I figured out I was trans, but I didn't, I didn't make go as far as identifying as a gay man until I figured out that I was transgender. Okay. And so um, it says here in your pre-interview question that you figured out about the age of 28, you're at work, that you yeah. were trans. Can you describe that uh, scene for us and tell us how it happened? Sure. So I had been thinking more intensely about my gender for a while at this point. I was about 28 years old. I'd say for the past year or so, I'd been doing a lot of reading about gender and gender identity and dysphoria. And I was kind of getting closer and closer to identifying as trans and categorizing my feelings and figuring out what they meant. And then one day it just kind of clicked for me. I was I was at work and I had gotten so upset that I had to go to the restroom to just take a breather, you know. 
So I was, was there anything was, that prompted that, you know, did it, was it just internal thoughts or did something happen? Was there an interaction that prompted that? I don't remember. Um, a lot of the time that would happen when I saw a reflection of myself somewhere, you know, in a computer screen or, you know, a piece of glass or a mirror or something. Okay. So I don't remember why that day I went to the restroom to kind of, you know, take a break. But I was, you know, I was in the stall in the bathroom at work and I was sitting there crying about how I felt about my body. And, you know, this thought just kind of came to me that cisgender people don't really do this. You know, (laughs) cisgender people don't see a reflection of themselves and then run to the bathroom to cry about the, the, the gender aspects of their body. Like, this isn't a thing that non-transgender people do. Right. So that was when I kind of realized that I needed to do something about this, that I was likely transgender and that something needed to happen. Okay. And how long ago did that actually happen? This was probably in, if I had to guess, I'd say it's like summer of 2013. Okay. And so it says here also that you are open about being gay. Mm -hmm. You're not open about being trans. You live in stealth and you only disclose it to your sexual partners. Correct. Yeah. So so because other people can't see you, when I first, you know, when we started our video chat here, your presentation looks authentically male. I must say that, you know, if, (laughs) if, if I had passed you on the street, I would have no suspicions that you were a transgender person at all. Um, yeah. Your voice sounds masculine. So how well does that work for you? Do people pretty much, for the most part, accept your presentation in everyday life as male? And yes. as far as your work life is concerned, do they know that you're trans? Right. So I've so to address the first part of your question, yeah, um, basically living stealth, I don't know if you've discussed this with anybody else, but living stealth basically means that Nobody that I interact with on a day-to-day basis knows that I'm trans. They all assume that I was born a cisgender male. That means my neighbors, anybody in my neighborhood, a good portion of my friends, at least the ones that I met post-transition, and all of my coworkers. At previous jobs, when I transitioned, I transitioned on the job. So the people that I worked with at that job, they knew that I was trans, but The two jobs that I've had since then, absolutely no one has known. I think at the job that I am at now, even the HR person doesn't know. I'm completely, I guess, stealth to everybody at work. Okay, wow. So you're the first person that I've met that is that stealth. I mean, I guess that's the only word I could use is that you're that stealth. I've talked to a couple other guests who live most of their life as stealth, but because they had legal name issues where they had to tell the HR person, or they were at a job and they transitioned on the job so people knew. You're the first person I've met that is 100% pretty much almost everyone sees you as a cisgender man. I would not say that I am 100% stealth. There are people, there are trans people who they say they're quote unquote deep stealth and people who are deep stealth absolutely nobody on earth knows that they are trans like they're they no longer speak to their family um all of their friends are friends that they made post-transition um nobody knows about that they changed their name i am not deep stealth i you know i'm still in contact with my family my entire family knows that i'm trans obviously i still have a lot of old friends or friends that i made pre-transition that know that i'm trans i've disclosed to a couple of new friends very selectively Um, that I'm trans. So I would not consider myself deep stealth. But most of the people that I see every day, or talk to every day, do not know that I'm trans. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying that. Because I guess that's what I meant is that for most of your interactions, your casual social interactions, not with people you know, really well, they obviously would know that you would be trans, like your family and your old friends from when you grew up. Sure. But in your casual, you know, day to day life, when you go to the store, when you you know go into work, even the HR person, like you're saying, doesn't know. So Correct. the question I have there is usually there's some sort of name issue. You've already changed your name, or did you have one yes. of those names that you know you could be Chris, could be a boy or a girl, or no, or I did Tony change. or something like that. <laughs> I did legally change my name, but I you know all of my documentation has the correct name and gender on it, and has for several years now. 
Um, so I've never had to show anybody documentation, at least in terms of a job that has an incorrect name on it. So you live in New York and you have changed your name. You present, you present almost all the time as male. How fast did it take for you to transition your life uh, that way? It seems like you just kind of, you said in 2013, you were, when you discovered you were trans or that, you know, something had to change and now it's only 2017. So it seems like you made a pretty drastic change pretty quickly. So what are some of the things you had to do to make that transition so complete so quickly? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it felt like it took forever when I was going through it, but I mean, I know lots of trans people who take way longer to, you know, do everything that they want to do in their transition. So I basically figured out that I was trans and that I wanted to transition in summer or late fall or early fall rather of 2013. I started testosterone in December of 2013. I did not come out right away at work because it took me a while to start passing as male. Um, it took a while for my voice to change. It took a while for me to be able to grow facial hair. I didn't really look consistently male for quite a while. But I started testosterone in December of 2013. I believe I changed my name and gender legally in fall of 2014. And this so, was in New York, right? This was in New York City, yeah. Okay. And was that difficult to do? What are the laws like there in New York? No, the the laws here are actually super easy. It was it was a very simple process to change my name and gender. For a driver's license, all you need to change your gender is a letter from your doctor stating that you're transitioning. To change your passport, all you need is a well, for right now, all you need is a letter from your doctor. To change your social security um, records, all you need is a letter from your doctor. And to change your birth certificate, at least I was born in New York City. And to change your birth certificate in New York City, all you need is a letter from your doctor and the court-ordered name change. And the name change is super easy to get in New York. I mean, they don't really care why you're changing your name, at least in my experience. Wow. So that does seem pretty low barriers to transitioning for people who are transgender. Uh, some of my previous guests said they had to do things like before they could change their birth certificate, they had to have sexual reassignment surgery and yeah. stuff like that. It used to be that way in New York City, actually. They only recently changed the law. I think they only changed it last year that you could just change your gender with a letter. And I mean, compared to other states, New York is very good in terms of barriers, but they are still barriers in that you need to have a doctor who can write this stuff for you. You need to have the money to change your name and to submit all these forms because it's not cheap. You know, you have to pay to change your name. You have to pay to get a new passport. You have to pay to update your birth certificate. You have to pay to get a new driver's license. And there are a lot of people who are in the place where they can't afford that stuff. Well, but wouldn't that be the case for anybody? Yeah. So, for example, even though I'm straight and cis, if I got a passport or let's say my wife, you know, we got married, she had a passport and she needs a name change on her passport. Yeah. She would have to pay the same fee, right? So those are barriers that anyone would face to try and do those things if she... Maybe, I, I, not, I don't know many people that need to change their birth certificate, so that right. might be a little unusual. But to change your driver's license, to change your passport, those things are barriers that anyone would face. So it's, That's not, true. it's not that they're unfair for cis or um, for transgender people. Right, right. But, yeah, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying that they necessarily are, just that, you know, it's not just a thing that you go and submit a form you know? Yeah. Well, and we don't have to go to the doctor, right? To get yeah. a letter saying, well, hey, my wife wants to change her last name. So there is a little bit more of sure. a barrier for you guys uh, in that case. Yeah. So when you just said that you, you can't, you have come out uh, as trans to a few of your new friends who originally believed that you were a cisgender man. Um, yes. What are some of those reactions that you face when you do that? Well, I've only done it a couple of times and I only do it in the case where I feel like this person, I'm very close to them and that they would not judge me or treat me differently because I'm trans. And the reactions I've gotten have all been, I mean, all, there were only a couple, but the people were just like, yeah, that's, that's totally cool. Or one person like had a sneaking suspicion just from the way that the things that we talked about and, you know, the way that I, I'm sometimes a little bit cagey about my past, but 
yeah, it's all been kind of a non-issue to the people that I disclose to. And that's why I disclose to them, because I feel that it'll probably be a non-issue. So what are the signs that you look for, right? So let's say we had met and I didn't know you were trans and we're trying to have a conversation and you decide, you know, what are some of the things you're looking for in a person to know that it's safe to let them know uh, that you're a transgender person? What are the, the things you look for? Yeah, um, I mean, just a general openness about not just LGBT identities, but just generally being inclusive and open-minded and kind. Kindness is like a huge thing, you know, because even if you don't have any experience with transgender people or don't know much about it, if you're a very kind person and caring person, then that goes a really long way towards being accepting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just people who are just generally very open-minded and caring people. Yeah. So, You've listened to my previous episodes and you know that I'm an atheist, but I'm not out as an atheist. And so I have only disclosed my atheism to some friends that I thought were pretty open minded. And I think uh, what I usually do if I need to if I need to gauge whether or not I can tell someone I'm an atheist, I don't normally feel the need to. But there are some times where I feel like, you know. I want to say, you know, hey, I'm an atheist because I I hate to have to hide that about myself. I hate to, I have, as a straight, white, cisgender man, I've never had to hide anything about my personal self until I deconverted and admitted my atheism. And so I hate the idea that I have to hide this thing. I can't wait until the day comes when I don't have to worry about telling people or people finding out that I'm an atheist. That's one of the major reasons why I used a pseudonym on this show because I wanted to be able to be honest and open with the people that I'm speaking with about my atheism, about anything about myself where I didn't have to worry about if someone who didn't know who I was listening would find out and then it would cause problems in my life. So I can't wait for the day where I don't have to worry about my military career or my personal you know, career. Maybe one day if I'm lucky, this thing, this podcast will be my primary you know, job for in source of income and then I can just be myself and use my real name. I would love that. So it really sometimes makes me want to tell people that I am atheist. And so that's the closest I can get to experiencing what it's like to be an LGBT person. I know it's not exactly the same and I don't mean to put myself as like, I'm, you know, I understand what you're coming from, but when I want to tell someone, I look for things, we have conversations and I look mostly about current events. Usually, usually current event stuff. If you hear someone talking about current events, you know, some of the things, you know, like they're Trump supporters, they are conservative. Usually if a person is a Republican, conservative, Trump supporter, anything like that, I'm pretty much like they might be, and I, I could, they, I could totally be wrong, but I'm not ready to, to take that bet yet in in most cases. Yeah. And I, you know, I identify a lot with what you just mentioned about how you wish that you could tell people. I went definitely went through a period where I wished that I could tell everybody that I was trans. But because it does feel like you are holding something back from people, like so that like in some instances it makes kind of a, a barrier between getting closer to people. I've kind of gotten over that feeling though. And I think that that is just for me has been a function of time and just becoming more secure in my identity and more just generally more confident and more secure in my personhood and who I am as a person and bringing value to my relationships as the person that I am and that my gender history doesn't define me and doesn't have to be a thing that that I disclose. Yeah. So for me, it makes me feel dishonest. Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm lying to people because the, uh, some current event thing will come up, and per, if it pertains to religion or whatever, I have to kind of go, "Yeah, man, that really sucks." They're oppressing those Christians, kind of thing, you know. And I yeah. have, to, I, I can't really be honest about my opinion because if I were to do that, then I would reveal before I'm ready that I would be uh, that I'm a non-believer, and so it feels like I'm lying. And I can imagine being a transgender person that that it it might be a similar feeling. Like someone thinks you're a cisgender man and, and you know, you know that you're not, even though you want to be right. I mean, you wish, I'm sure you wish you had been born a cisgender man, but because you're not telling them and you're withholding that information, it could probably give you a feeling like you're being dishonest or you're hiding the truth. Yeah. I mean, it can sometimes, um, especially when it gets to really, detailed man talk type of stuff where like they assume that I have certain genitals or 
they assume that I have a very specific medical history or medical experiences, that kind of thing. In those situations, it does feel weird and kind of bad. But I think that the situation of trans people is a little bit different from like the situation of atheists, like in that I don't feel like I'm being dishonest because I'm a man and they are taking me as a man. And I don't think that my gender history is really relevant to that anymore. You know, in the past, I did feel like it was relevant, but I've kind of gotten past that. For me, I identify much more as just a man than I do as a transgender man. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, I think that's great that you don't feel that way. I know that's how I feel. And so I was just trying yeah. to express. So it's a yeah, good thing totally. that you don't have to feel that way. Um, I can't wait for the day where I can be out as an atheist because there are so many things I want to say. I, <laughs> I've never had to hide anything about myself from most people. And so... And I've always been a pretty honest person, and so when I ha when I can't say it, I I feel dishonest. So that's good that you don't yeah. feel that way, and, and and it's nice to know that you're comfortable in your personhood, you're comfortable in where you are, and that it feels authentic to you to to be that way. So you know, good for you. Thank you. <laughs> so you said in your in your pre interview that usually when you come out to someone and you let them know that you're trans, the next thing they ask about is your genitals. Yeah, <laughs> and so. I don't want to get that specific, but you are transitioned, right? You live mostly stealth. And so as far as your transition went, did you have to have any medical intervention other than hormone? So did you have to have anything done with the breasts or anything like that? I have had a mastectomy. Um, trans men refer to it as top surgery. Right. Um, I got top surgery in the spring of 2015, so almost two years ago. And, you know, it wasn't a had-to-have type of thing. It was just something that was very important to me, and I wanted to have it. A lot of trans men do not have it. A lot of trans people do not have top surgery or any type of surgery, but it was something that I wanted to have. I also would like to have bottom surgery, which is sex reassignment surgery. I haven't had it yet, but I do want to have it in the future. Okay, so you plan to do a full sexual reassignment yes. surgery. Yes, okay. yeah. And have you looked into that at all already? You've kind of, you know, looked at, well, maybe not looked at the results. But, you <laughs> know, I, I don't know anything about it. I haven't looked into it, so I don't know what the outcome is like and, and how penis like a sexual reassignment surgery for a female to male transgender person would look like so you sure. you've looked into that i'm sure oh yeah i've done tons and tons of research yeah um, and you're pretty confident that it'll be, that the outcome would be as desirable as you want it oh yeah i'm i'm very i mean this is something that is a i wouldn't say a point of contention but it's like uh, a little bit controversial within the, tra the trans male community and that there is a lot of misinformation about there about FTM bottom surgery a lot there are a lot of rumors like that are spread about it that it's not good enough or that it lo doesn't look good or that people are really unhappy about it but that's none of that is really true it's just kind of bad press and bad rumors and just some holdovers from when the surgery was very it, like in its infancy but it's come a long way now so. okay so this is an educational show for people like myself who are cis and don't know. For as far as bottom surgery goes, you've done a lot of research, like you said. So now maybe you can educate me and the audience. And if you were to get or if someone were to get bottom surgery, would the penis be a functioning penis? I mean, so could they get erect? I mean, I, I know you couldn't ejaculate, right? But right. you would have a functioning penis. It would become erect or no? So if you so the name of the procedure that you're talking about is called phalloplasty and for people who have phalloplasty in order to become erect you need an erectile device there are several different types but some of these are the same types of erectile devices that are used in men with erectile dysfunction and they work fine you get erect it's just not you know a quote unquote natural or biological erection Okay. Um, you do need a device, yeah. But it would be the same for a man with ED, like you said. So. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, that's, I mean, that's something I didn't know. And, you know, as a straight cis guy, it's kind of hard to look, Google that stuff without, you, yeah. know, you know, your wife being like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> not doing anything, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that, I appreciate you sharing the information because I really had no idea. I had never looked into it. And so I figured, you know, this would be a good opportunity to learn a little bit more about it without any awkward questions from my wife. 
<laughs> yeah, and I mean, I can, I can answer any other questions you have about it. I mean, I haven't had the surgery, obviously, yeah. yet. But like I said, I've done a lot of research and I know what I want and what I'm looking forward to. So I think what I'm going to have to do for a future show is maybe try to find a doctor that does transition surgery and and maybe get some medically accurate information f- directly from a doctor. Yeah, that would that would be really cool. Um, there's a lot of both for trans men and trans women, lots of misinformation out there about bottom surgery. So yeah, it would be it would be I think also very educational for you to to speak to a surgeon or a doctor. Yeah, I think that would be great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start looking in the phone book and try and find one who'd be on the show. <laughs> um so one more question I have about your surgery. So you said you had a double mastectomy. Did you get any bad scarring? Like are you able to take your shirt off as a man in public, you know, like if you go to the pool, I mean is it pretty, you know, noticeable or not? Um I do have scars, but they are not super noticeable. I'm very lucky just with my scarring that they're not very prominent. I have never had anybody say anything about it. I think that like if I saw somebody with my scars at the beach, I'd know immediately that they were a trans guy. But for the vast majority of people, that is not even on their radar. You know, (laughs) they just assume that I had some other surgery. Um, or something happened or I got in an accident or something. Right. Like the vast majority of people, their minds don't immediately jump to trans when they see scars like mine. Yeah. So um, have you ever had people question you about it? I don't know if you've ever, if you go topless in public, like at the pool or the beach or anything like that. So, but have you ever been questioned about it? And have you ever had to give an, another reason other than I'm trans? I have never been questioned about it. I very rarely go topless in public, but I've never gotten any questions about it. If anybody were to question me, I would just say like non-committally that I just had surgery, like because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not a lie. I did have surgery, <laughs> right? Okay, so I was just curious. I didn't know, you know, if you had any experiences where you had, you know, oh, I had a heart surgeon, or you know, or something like sure. that. So, yeah. So okay, so you transitioned, in my opinion, pretty quickly in in about three years. I imagine, like you said, for you, you actually going through it probably seems like it took forever. During your transition, where you were transitioning from female to male, did you have any negative experiences? Were there any microaggressions or any hostility from people? Or maybe even, um, we didn't even talk about this yet, but coming out to your parents whenever that took place, because they know that you're trans now or any other family members, did you have any experiences that were memorable that you know were not positive experiences you know, maybe that you wished kind of you could have avoided right i mean i've been very lucky and i have not experienced any super negative experiences like the worst that i can think of is this one girl at the job where i came out she was she would kind of passive aggressively misgender me sometimes but other than that, I haven't really had any bad experiences. I mean, unless you count like guys on Grinder and and OkCupid and stuff like making shitty comments, but that's not really related to my transition or coming yeah. out. <laughs> and I mean, my my parents they've always been supportive. In the beginning, it was kind of hard for them to understand. And that was difficult, but that was not out of malice on their parts. That was just, they didn't understand. Yeah. So my previous guest who I was talking to, she said, you know, she had a a therapist. I'm sorry. uh, I hate to use the the wrong pronouns. I try really hard to use them, but um, he, when he came out to his parents, he had a therapist and the therapist reminded him that, Hey, you know, you've had a lifetime to chew on this information and deal with your gender identity and your sexuality. And you kind of just dropped it on your parents and your, and your family members overnight. And so they haven't had time to deal with this yet. I can imagine that would be a similar situation for you when you tell your parents, you know, it's kind of a shock, like, you know, an unexpected out of, you know, like a coming out of left field. And so I imagine the first time, the first conversations were pretty awkward or uncomfortable, but it's gotten better over time. Yeah, no, it definitely has been. And I saw somebody online once describe their kind of approach to people misgendering them and stuff. They said, you know, I generally give people half the amount of time that they have known me for to get 100% every single time on board with my name and pronouns. Uh, And that's kind of, I think that that made sense to me at the time when I wrote, read it. So 
I've been kind of following that. You know, I my parents do occasionally slip up with my name. They dead name me sometimes, but it's only been a few years. They have known me my entire life. Yeah, I can forgive them messing up my name sometimes. So you but, used a new term I haven't heard before. So what's dead name? Oh, so dead name. So it can be used as a noun or a verb. Basically, it's when somebody calls you by your old name, the name that you were given at birth, the name of, associated with your old gender. Okay. And so it's called dead name because you, you that identity is dead to you, right? Like I've heard sometimes people will hold funerals or something like that for their old identity when they fully transition. So that's where that comes from? Sure. The idea that that identity or just even that name is is dead to you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm still pretty new. I've only been doing the podcast for maybe, you know, two, three months tops. So sure. <laughs> I'm sure. still I'm still learning here. The podcast is, you know, a learning experience for me as, as as well as the audience. And so and I really try to apologize for using wrong pronouns. Uh, most of the time I'm meeting the person as their current gender. And so usually I get the pronouns right. But every now and again, because I'm talking about a person's transition, sometimes I get the pronouns wrong. I promise it's not intentional. I try really hard to use the right pronouns. So to my previous guest, if I use the wrong pronouns and you hear this on the show, I really apologize. I don't mean to do it. And I'm just trying to be respectful and understanding to everybody. So if I use the wrong pronouns, I almost immediately try to correct myself and apologize. So I hope it it doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. If I do that, it is completely unintentional. So I want to talk about now we talked about some of the negative experiences. So the negative experiences weren't that bad. You, you came out to your parents, it was awkward and uncomfortable, but no shouting or yelling or anything like that. Are your parents religious, by the way? I know in your interview questionnaire, you said that you're atheist. So uh, were your parents religious at all? No, they're not. Uh, my parents are completely secular, and I grew up in a secular household. So My previous guest, his father was a Pentecostal preacher, and they had a pretty big blowout when he came out wow. to his parents as a transgender man. I can imagine that secular parents you know, would be a little bit easier to come out to. They kind of have a more reasoned response, I imagine. It could probably still be shocking, and it probably could be negative. I don't want to give every secular parent a path, uh, a pass on that. I'm sure some of them had pretty bad reactions, but... Yeah, I guess it's because you weren't raised in a religious environment that it probably, you know, the religious teachings of, you know, you can't be gay, you're going to hell kind of things probably made it easier to come out to your parents. So, yeah, at least like that, that particular reason for rejecting me was not. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't have you didn't have a concern for that, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So what about some positive experiences? What's the what's one of your most memorable experiences as a trans person or as a gay man? Um, that you've had as since you've transitioned or at all, really? Sure. I mean, regarding positive experiences coming out, one of the first people that I came out to was my best friend from high school. I This was before I came out to my parents. The only person that I had come out to at this point was my boyfriend at the time. When was this? And this was... This was in the fall of 2013, I think. Okay. I was up in my hometown visiting my parents, and I just ran into this this girl that I was best friends with in high school on the street. And it was like really, you know, it was really, I was in a very, you know, tumultuous emotional state. You know, I saw her and it was so good to see her. And I like started crying and it was, it was really like a nice, just random reunion. Um, and I didn't tell her right then, but when I got home, I, I was like, oh man, I, I have to tell her what, you know, I'm going through. So I sent her an email and coming out to her that I was trans. And the response that she sent me was, she said, the thing that sticks out in my mind is that she said, this is so right and it feels so right for you. And that validation meant a lot to me at that point in my transition because I was still really scared about the fact that I was trans. I was really scared about transitioning. And I was very unsure about whether or not it was right and whether or not I would regret it. And hearing her say that was, you know, it meant a a lot to me. Yeah, a lot of times people validating our feelings and our emotions. I got to tell you, I mean, when people respond to my show and give me good feedback, I feel really great about it because right now, because we're talking, we don't have an audience at the moment. And I don't get a lot of feedback currently. I I have just a small audience of, you know, I always joke and say I have two listeners, but I really have, you know, like 20 subscribers. Sure. (laughs) And so 
but I have a pretty small audience and I don't always get a lot of feedback. But whenever I get that little, you know, someone will comment on one of my posts or something, you know, and they're like, hey, you're doing a great job. That validation feels really good because, okay, I'm doing something good. People are enjoying it. And that's all I really want is I want to have a good informational show. I want to share people's experiences and I want the audience to like it. And yeah. when people finally respond and I get even just a little comment like, hey, you're doing a great job kind of thing, man, it feels so good. So I can imagine that same feeling when someone validates your feelings and your desires to be who you want to be, especially back when you were having such a struggle with it, that it could be, you know, very uplifting for you. Yeah. And it's especially meant a lot in because I had known her for such a long time. I knew her when I was you know, a teenager and in middle school, we had been very close friends and, you know, knowing that this was somebody who knew me intimately and knew my history with my gender. I mean, I never really spoke to her when we were young about gender stuff, but she was on the outside and she saw as my presentation changed and she saw the things that went on with me. So hearing it from her was especially meaningful to me. Yeah, I can imagine. That's good. I mean, at least you got some validation from someone you respect and someone you care about. And that, that can yeah. oftentimes mean the world to some people. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. That's a really positive experience um, that I didn't really uh, expect to hear. I saw you said something about going to Pride the first time, but I think that's even better. Unless you had a, an amazing time at Pride. I don't know what your Pride, <laughs> your Pride Parade's uh, experience was like, but I think that validation yeah. is a really positive experience and uh, I appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, I mean... I, yeah, I wrote in the in the questionnaire about Pride because I didn't like go wild at Pride. <laughs> I didn't do anything particularly, you know, nuts. But I mean, I had been living in New York for over a decade. I had always wanted to go to Pride. You know, like I said before, I had always felt this kind of affinity with the gay community. But I also felt like I wasn't wanted there or that this was not a space for me. It was only after I started transitioning that I felt that it was a place where I could finally go. And I, I didn't even go with anybody. I just went, I walked along the parade route and I watched the parade and I bought like some random gay stuff and that was it. But it was, um, it, it, it really was meaningful to me just to be able to go and to show up and to be counted as, you know, the person that I really am. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you, you had that experience. I mean, sometimes we just need to be around other people who are like us. You know, I know there's times where it's nice where I can go on Reddit and I can have conversations with people about atheist stuff and, and complain about, you know, theists being, you know, theists <laughs> and, and discarding other people's opinions or ideas and stuff. And so you can't really do that in your everyday life. So I can imagine that having those experiences are pretty valuable to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just like, it's kind of, uh, I mean, maybe it's similar for, you know, the, the atheism community for you. But every year after Pride is over, like, I feel sad that I have to go back to like straight world. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine that, you know, you get to be around all the people like you and you get to have a good time and be free. And then you kind of have to go back to being stealth. And I can yeah. imagine that could be pretty disappointing. I don't, I don't have that type of experience. So yeah, I can, I can imagine it's a, it's a unique experience. Speaking of that, other than pride, how do you, I guess now that you've said it like that, you have a desire to be around other trans people or other LGBT people. So how do you connect with those people who are like you? Do you do it mostly online? Do you have, you know, social groups there? I know that, that a lot of times they have meetups and things like that. Are there any of those organizations or anything that you do to participate in that? Yeah, I mean, I do. I am pretty active online. You know, I'm I'm part of some groups on Reddit and on Facebook, you know, mostly talking and giving advice to younger trans guys. I also go to a couple of support groups IRL mostly just for talking about surgeries and that kind of thing. Did you just uh, use a Reddit acronym in the <laughs> Did you just say IRL? I, I did. <laughs> okay, for for those people who don't know, IRL is in real life. It's usually something said online, you know, kind of like an LOL. So, please continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do go to a couple of groups um, you know, in person. Uh, I go to Pride every year. I go to LGBT film festivals and, you know, other events throughout the city. 
And for most of most of this stuff, I go, um, I show up like as a gay man, not necessarily as a transgender man. Um, okay, so you still present a male appearance, and you want people to assume you're a cis man. Yes, yeah. Or yeah. A, gay, only... a gay man, a gay would that be gay cis man? Is that right? I mean, I, yes, technically. Okay. I don't, I don't really care if they think. I mean. I mean, I do care if they think I'm cis. I just like as a man, you know, <laughs> as yeah. a gay man. Um, I mean, the only the only places where I go, where I'm kind of out about being trans and like I present my trans identity is transgender specific support groups and meetups and that kind of thing. Okay, and so now we're getting, you know, we're kind of wrapping up here, and these are usually some of the last questions that I ask. But what is something that really gives you concern as a trans man or as a gay man? about the future what are your biggest concerns i am largely post-transition you know like i said i have changed my name changed my gender all of my legal stuff is in order i had no problem really getting medical care getting the surgery that i wanted but i so i'm i'm really concerned for you know little baby trans men and women who have not started their transition or even some of my trans friends who have not legally changed their gender or name that the current administration will make it more difficult for them to do that. A lot of, like I said, you know, the ease with which I was able to do some of my legal paperwork is very easy to undo. And that could change literally overnight. And that is pretty terrifying to me. So can they do that? Do you think that that's something you have to worry about is that they could undo the changes to your birth certificate or to your license and stuff like that? Um, I think I was just thinking about this today, and I think it's pretty unlikely that the changes that have been made can be undone. At least without um, your consent, right? They can't just do it against your consent. Well, I mean, the concern would be laws being passed that would say that, I don't know, would somehow say that changes made because of gender transition are no longer valid. I sincerely doubt that that is going to happen. Yeah. But I, I'm more concerned with other trans people who have not had the ability to change their documentation, not being able to do it. Yeah. So um, you're, you're, pro, you're post-transition. So your major concern is for people who aren't where you are yet. Correct. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also concerned for trans people who um, may lose health coverage or may not be able to afford health care anymore. It's, you know, it's already a problem in the trans community that there are lots of people without access to health care. And I'm just afraid that that'll get worse. Yeah. Okay. I was definitely Again, concerned about those things when the when the Trump was elected as president and, and when the yeah. Republicans won control of the House and the Senate. I was definitely worried about that was my first immediate concern because as you as you know i have a gay son and so my immediate concern was man I, i'm really worried about the rights that they fought so hard to get for lgbt people going away so quickly because a lot of them were done through executive order which can be yeah, exactly easily overturned with another executive order yeah exactly and, and like i said this is not necessarily you know concern for me because i i don't have really an issue with healthcare or documentation but i'm afraid for other trans people and i'm not sure if you like heard about this but a lot of trans people after the election rushed to get all of their paperwork changed yeah like really quickly they wanted to get it done before january 20th because nobody knew what was going to happen and we still don't know what's going to happen to for example, the executive order that allows um, passport changes. Right. Just with your doctor's note, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's enough of the doom and gloom. I don't like to dwell too much <laughs> on that. So tell me something that really gives you hope and, you you know, you can look to the future and, and think, okay, there's a bright spot for us in the future someday. What is that? Yeah. Um, I think it was one of your past guests spoke about this. I think her name was Nicole. But I found the way that she spoke about this really eloquent and it like spoke to me. But the fact that people even know the, what the word transgender means is a huge deal. Like the fact that people, there are transgender women in public life that aren't, you know, like presented as freak shows, that they're just women living their lives as transgender women yeah. is incredible. And I think it was Nicole who said that you can't put that cat back in the bag. You can't erase the memory of transgender people from the public's mind. Um, and I think that all of this kind of speaks to a, a gradual sea change in terms of how transgender people are perceived in American society. And I would not be surprised if 
in 10, 15, 20 years that we are where the general perception of gay and lesbian people are today, you know, much more accepted than they were 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I definitely hope that for the future. And I definitely hope that it gets more acceptable for LGBT people to be out and um, not have to worry about being attacked or harassed or or judged in any kind of way, particularly not just because I have a gay son, but because I, I know gay people and I know I'm just I'm a humanist, right? I mean, I'm an atheist. You you said you're on your pre-questionnaire that you're an atheist, but I'm also a humanist. I put people first and I don't want to see people held back because they're not cis or they're not straight or whatever. I want people to be able to live their life to the fullest, to the best of their ability and be as comfortable as possible in their own skin without judgment from any religious person or any, not even just religious people, but anyone. I mean, that you shouldn't be judged because of how you want to present your outward appearance or how you, who you want to love. And so I definitely hope that, man, I hope it takes a lot less than 10 or 15 years, but, <laughs> but if it yeah, takes 15 years, I'll be, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Totally. So as we start wrapping up, one of the things I want to know is um, uh, during your transition or during the period of your life in which you were questioning your gender and stuff, did you have any help from any therapists or any LGBT organizations to help you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, I was in and out of therapy a few different times, both pre-transition and during my transition. In New York City, there are several uh, medical clinics that cater to the transgender community. I go to a, a, a clinic called Calamord, and I get all of my healthcare through them. And for me, they've been really amazing. Um, and there are a few others throughout New York. New Yorkers are pretty lucky in that regard. Okay. Well, that's good that you got the help that you needed. I imagine New York's a pretty blue state, and you don't have a lot of those issues that some of the red states do with finding help. And so... Yeah, um, I know that it's getting more acceptable for people to have organizations that are pro LGBT and help people. But I imagine New York's been pretty pro LGBT for a while. And so I imagine it's a little easier up there to find the resources that you need. You could probably just open up any Google page and, and look for them in New York. And there are probably, you know, a dozen of them around the corner, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. We're very lucky. So move to New York, everyone. <laughs> that's just what we they would need. love to have. you. Yeah, that's just what they need more people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if they're LGBT, I'll accept more people. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So um, uh, we're, we're starting to get to the end here. And so I just always like to ask the guests, is there any organizations or anything that you do as far, you know, sometimes people have a public persona, you know, they stream videos or like uh, my, my t previous guest two shows ago was a professor at Georgia State University. So he has a public, you know, persona. So if you want to plug any of your personal stuff or any organizations that you belong to or any support organizations, that you, anything you would like to plug for um, the audience to look into. Sure. Yeah. I don't really have any, you know, public persona to plug. Um, I would just say that if you're in New York and you're looking for help or with your transition, Calamorn is a great resource. And also, if any of your listeners are looking to, you know, donate to LGBT causes, the Sylvia Rivera Law Project is a really great organization that does a lot of work with transgender people. Okay, good. Well, definitely. So I normally, if you've been to the blog page recently, I, every time I have a guest on the show and they share the resources, I try to add links to the to the page so that they can find them if they go to my blog page. So I'll definitely try to add those on to the page so that people can find them if they want to look them up and find more information about it. So thank you for being on the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want all our allies out there to know and all our, um, all the LGBT listeners that, you know, if, as long as we stick together and we work together and we maintain a united front that we can make sure that the world ends up to be a better place for LGBT people. So like my guest said, please consider to donating to supportive LGBT organizations, I would specifically like to mention the Sylvia, what was that? The Sylvia? Sylvia Rivera. Sylvia Law Rivera Project. Law Project. And also the Southern Poverty Law Center are also doing great yes. work in the LGBT community. So support those organizations. If you have time to donate and you're in their area, donate time. If you have money to donate, everyone who's a nonprofit organization, I'm sure they could always use more money. And if you have money to spare and you want to help forward the uh, rights and support the LGBT community, they would be happy to use your money to to continue that effort. Remember, you can always email me at major at straightupgaypodcast.com. 
go to the blog page. I've updated the page recently. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Play. I put the link to the audio from Pinecast. I'm not using SoundCloud anymore, so I, I have the link up there still, but it doesn't stay as current as everything else. So the best place to listen are on those three places. Remember, you can <laughs> always follow me on Twitter at SUG Podcast, and you can join me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Straight Up Gay Podcast, or just go on Facebook and search for Straight Up Gay Podcast. Follow me on there, like the show, please give me reviews, the, the validation and your feedback to my show and my efforts, it, it means a lot to me, so... Please, if you if you like the show, go on there and, and give me a thumbs up. Follow the show. Like it. Share it with your friends. Uh, I could always use the listeners. And I want to thank you, Alex, for being here. I appreciate you sharing your story. It was really good to talk to someone who is as post-transition as you are. And uh, it was very enlightening. And I, I thank you for sharing the information with us. Yeah, no problem. It was my pleasure. All right. I wish you the best of luck in the future. And to everyone listening, I will see you guys on Episode 9. At age 13, my mother knew I wasn't straight She didn't understand, but she had so much to say She sat me on the couch, looked me straight in my face and said You'll burn in hell or probably die of AIDS It's funny now, but at 13, it was pain To be almost sure of who you are and have it ripped away And I'm sorry if it's too real for some of you to fathom But hate for who you love is not exactly what you'd imagine Uh... And I guess it was disastrous Cause everything that happened afterwards was just madness Locked away for two years to keep me on the inside Because she'd rather see a part of me die than me thrive And it's tougher when it's something you can't deny And ignorance teaches us it's something that you decide You're driven by your choices, an optical illusion Here's to understanding that it's not always confusion And I can't change Suffer beneath every single hand that chooses Ignorance, fuck your religion Fuck constitutions, fuck superstitions There are no lakes of fire, we're here on earth And the only thing to do is put love first And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand To the sound of his father screaming woman loves man This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve And a heart in her hand and that chip on her shoulder And I stand for it all until ignorance is over This is for you, for knowing who you are For never letting your magic outside of your heart Be you, be brave And understand that things do change I accept you for you when I don't understand And I love you for you This is who I am I accepted you for you when I didn't understand And I love me for me This is who I am Just don't get it. Love is love. There is no difference. Not a medication to fix it. There is no prescription. No rehab to visit. It is not an addiction. It's love. And it's selfless. It's yours and everybody else's. So don't badger and abuse the solemnly defenseless. See us as yourself. There's no equality and difference. Until we all get it, we'll be drowning in the same blood. This fight orientation, we all feel the same love. Drowning in the same blood Despite orientation We all feel the same love
boxed in and labeled before we're ever able to speak who we believe we are or who we dream will become like drum beats forever changing their rhythm I am living today as someone I had not yet become yesterday and tonight I'll only borrow pieces of who I am today to carry with me to tomorrow no I'm not gay no I'm not straight and I sure as hell I'm not bisexual damn it I am whoever I am when I am it loving whoever you are when the stars shine and whoever you'll be when the sun rises so here's to being able Here's to love. Here's to loving just because. Here's to acceptance. Here's to never fearing the fear of rejection. Here's to love and never neglecting who it is you feel you are. Here's to bullies because beatings cannot last forever. Here's to the moment that you realize things do get better. Here's to the parents who will get it when it's too late. Here's to second chances. Here's to new fate. Here's to every single moment you've ever had to hide you. Here's to the single star shining bright inside you, asking you to guide you. Here's to who you'll be when you've figured it all out. Here's to momentary doubt. Here's to feeling, because we all feel it the same. Here is to the moment that things will change. Because we all feel love, we all feel it the same. Here's to love, here's to change.